welcome to The Found Cause. We have found our cause and serving the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm Michael, the man behind the machine, and to my right, your left is... Sebastian, the bookkeeper. And over the airwaves, it's... Theodore, under the PC, under the person of Christ. And we have a special guest, and it's Jesus Christ himself. Just kidding. (laughs) This is a long-awaited episode for me, personally. And Sebastian suggested it. I was like, oh my gosh, we haven't talked about this guy in so long. And he's always putting out great material. A while ago, um, like episode 89, I want to say, so a really long time ago, 100 episodes ago, was we reacted to spirit science. So we are once again returning to spirit science. But because it's been like 100 episodes, we thought we would give some preface. Um, I would say that spirit science is, um, if you watch more than three of his videos in a row, you will lose brain cells. Um, but he's really popular and his, and his thumbnails and his animation game is like increasing and is on point. So like, if you're going to find nonsense, new age stuff, he's a new age channel, by the way. Um, he's like the guy to go to. I wouldn't waste your time with any of the new age stuff. Like he's the guy. Um, that being said, maybe you want to give some preface on this, Sebastian, uh, who is spirit science and like, why are we reacting to him? To be honest, I don't even think he knows exactly what spirit science is and i say that because if you start from the earliest episodes that was done 10 years ago they're really entertaining i highly recommend highly recommended but be prepared mentally and spiritually Mm -hmm. he talks about all sorts of things from the new age the origin of the world and the universe to how to unlock your chakras very practical stuff for new age believers how to speak to crystals how to do astral projection no the whole board whatever new age he probably has talked about it and what really caught our attention was at least for me i don't know about you guys was how he syncretizes all religions in the world from buddhism hinduism new age christianity judaism into all pointing to god and how to be our authentic selves yeah but ultimately it's his version of the truth right and that's why i think he's so interesting is that he like if you had a ticker for every new age story that got published on the internet, that's kind of what spirit science is a good like conglomeration of the last month's worth of new age material. And they'll spit out a video on it. Um, it's not exactly that. Like he's not trying to keep up with current events technically, but he has every single new age belief somewhere, a video about it pretty much, right? Vibrations, Buddhism, Jesus, Islam, Judaism, time traveling, Hebrews, uh, ancient Egyptian mythology, um, crystals, uh, chakras. Uh, the Anunnaki, uh, Babylonian myths. Abenaki, yeah, Babylonian myths, feng shui, Taoism, is like everything. And somehow it all is cohesive, apparently, supposedly. It's not, so you'll watch it, and one of them will be about how the Babylonian gods are the real gods. Um, and then there'll be one about Jesus Christ, like we're about to look at now. So, like, clearly they're not cohesive because those two realities don't exist together. But he doesn't have a problem with that. He doesn't explain in the videos that he was wrong about the Babylonian gods, and now it's this new thing. Um, or I, I was wrong about Atlantis being real and Martians invading the earth, which is, yes, one of his videos. Um, and he says it so, like, lightly, like, happily, anyways. Um, he's great. That was our, our first yeah. reaction to was time traveling Hebrews and Martians invading the earth and Atlantis being real. Wow. What, what a video. Um, <laughs> he's popular, by the way. You hear me talking about Atlantis and time traveling Hebrews and Martians invading the earth. And you think we have found like a crazy schizophrenic. He's not schizophrenic. He's not, I mean, he's crazy, but he's not like crazy like he lives on the street. Um, and he's got a ton of subscribers and he makes real bank. Like his, his website, I think, is the number one visited new age site in the world. Um, his 
YouTube has off and on success, like any YouTube channel, um, but he's got a million subscribers plus, um, you know, doing way better than us. So don't think that we've, we've, we're picking on some weirdo guy. Like it is a weird channel, but it's a popular weird channel. All that said, so he's, he's a conglomerate of a bunch of new age beliefs. He, the, the thing, I think that if there's any cohesive thing to all of his videos is that he will mention concepts as if they are true with no backing. And I know that we do that sometimes, but usually we're using colloquialisms that everybody knows about, like who Jesus Christ is, right? We all, we all kind of generally know who Jesus Christ <laughs> is. Um, he will say things like divine triumness or divine, you know, I don't know. I Christ consciousness. Christ consciousness. Uh, concepts that, that sometimes I'm familiar with, sometimes I'm not. Uh, and surely those who don't delve into this weird stuff won't be. Don't let it confuse you. I don't really know if it's supposed to be like a claim to authority that he's using fancy words, kind of like doctors use fancy words to sound smart. Um, but don't be confused by it. They are sometimes just straight up made up words and concepts. Um, but the important thing to watch him here is that it's going to be straight lies. This kind of thing comes from the enemy. I'm not saying that spirit science is making things up himself. Typically, I think he's saying things that he thinks are true. Mm -hmm. But it's all about where he's claiming authority because it's hard to disprove the things he's saying um, just straight out because he'll say Jesus Christ was... Um, a good guy and we'll say he's god right and who's right we claim authority based on the bible right written testimony from eyewitnesses and it goes all the way back to christ um, we have papers that lead all the way back to christ right we have the earliest copies of the new testament are from like 98 ad so they're really close to the original events his claim to authority is his own ayahuasca drug trips um, other gurus who have also had visions and experiences his own meditations spirit guides from astral projection spirit guides so what we would conclude are real demons like if you've heard our other episodes on this kind of stuff before right i know this is a really long preamble by the way <laughs> um we don't believe that all spirit science stuff is like totally hokey fake we believe that real demons are out there deceiving people to believe these kind of things so a lot of their lies are just straight up lies but the fact that spirit science or some guru talked to a spirit, we believe could be true, um, but we're not supposed to. The Bible warns us against doing that because those spirits are liars. They're, they're great at deceiving people. Um, so all that being said, he also, lastly, the only real shred of any non-personal like personal experience stuff that he pulls from are ancient texts. Specifically, he does not, obviously he doesn't take the Bible seriously, but he takes weird texts seriously because it got to be different. He pulls a lot from Gnostic literature. Which I got from some tiny library in the middle of Wisconsin, a Nag Hammadi library. Oh, I was so happy when I found this. It has all known Gnostic books known to man. Really obscene. I highly recommend it. <laughs> and we've talked about Gnosticism before. You know Sebastian's a passionate about Gnosticism. Um, ancient heresy. And it was very similar to New Age. I would almost call New Age the new... Like, it is Gnosticism. Yeah. It's just the new version of it. Parasitic. It was always willing to change whatever its beliefs were as long as you believed that your body was fake and that your spirit was real and that God was evil and that you were trying to get to the good God who was above the fake God. Um, it's kind of generally how Gnosticism works. This new age stuff is also your body's, uh, the real world is an illusion. We're all spirit beings and there's hidden knowledge out there you're trying to get so that you can achieve enlightenment. Very similar concepts. Gnosticism is totally not popular. New age stuff is really popular. I would call it the new Gnosticism. Um, so he pulls from Gnostic books. But because Gnosticism is really old, it's been really long disproved. Like it's really dead because it's it was totally faked. They said that there were certain books from Peter and Paul and Barnabas and, and a bunch of people that none of them were legit. They were written, mm -hmm. written hundreds of years after those people were already dead. Um, so it's proven false. The Nag Hammadi Library is proven faked 
texts. Not like some guru saying that he saw a vision and here's what he saw, because that's kind of unprovable. But like, it claims to be written by Peter and it is not, mm-hmm. definitively not written by Peter. Mm-hmm. Um, so that being said, that's his claim to authority. Ours is from the Bible. You decide what's better, but let's walk through his uh, video before the whole audience has already tuned out. Yeah. All right, here we go. Spirit signs, everyone. And such titles, many believe, speak to his sacrificial and Whoa, 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 my gosh. <laughs> we are on two times speed. This guy also affects his voice. So he sounds gender neutral. He's not. He's a man. But um, one of his tenets is that we were originally gender neutral. So he pretends to be in his videos. I don't know. He's not. But in order to make sense of these titles... Oh, and in case you're thinking you missed something, like you should add, you should watch Christ series part one. You know, it always kind of jumps into videos. Like yeah. there's no context. So just know that we're not really, you're not missing context here. We must comprehend the need for redemption, which comes from the presence of something called sin. And to understand sin, we must also bring consideration to the soul and the body of consciousness. Woo, okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I'm pausing already. Theodore, you have something to say? Well, I was just going to say, keep this in mind because i don't think he even like you're just listening to this for the first time mm-hmm. but i've watched it once already mm-hmm. and i don't even think he gets to like the significance of or the meaning of jesus's sacrifice and the the name unblemished lamb uh redemption sin he just makes a i don't know he jumps to what he actually wants to talk about yeah it very par for the course. I mean, I haven't, like you said, I haven't seen this video and neither is our audience, but uh, uh, it is not a cohesive thought process. This is very not cohesive. It's kind of just supposed to make, it's like watching pretty colors and he will eventually, like what he wants to get across, he'll get across pretty clearly because he wants to get it across. But most of this is just like hand waving. So the fact that he hasn't given us any context for what he's saying um, it's all about the hand waving. It's not like we're missing something. So he says, just so we're all seeing this diagram correctly, he says the titles of Christ, like the perfect sacrifice in Hebrews, right? In the book of Hebrews from the Bible, he's called the perfect sacrifice. The unblemished lamb, um, again, in Hebrews or in Paul's writings in the Bible, called the unblemished lamb. These are roles that Christ fulfilled to pay for our sins. And that's why he's got an arrow down to the need for redemption from sin. Mankind, we all know it for the Bible. We've all sinned. We're all imperfect. And we need to be redeemed to become perfect so that we can live with God forever. He says, sin, arrow down towards the soul, quotes, and the body of consciousness. I don't know what the body of consciousness means. The soul, we all understand that. That's like your innermost being, your the thing that fuels your body. Um, so sin affected the soul. Okay. And that's why you need Christ's payment for sacrifice, which is the gospel. So this is kind of gospel um, oriented. Yes. What I would say to anyone watching this to keep in mind is these terms, as you pointed out, they're from the Bible. Will he use the definitions from the Bible to under- to explain what these concepts mean, even within his new age right. worldview? Because that's where they are defined. Yeah, they're coming from the Bible, exactly. Mm-hmm. Because these Gnostics, they're going to define... Um, perfect sacrifice one way redemption not from your evil but rather from ignorance it defines sin as just being ignorant of what the truth is right you don't know the path so, codes to get to heaven that's yes, what sin is yes so ra- so rather they use uh, Gnostics like New Age people they're going to use the same words that Christian may, 
might be using, but do they mean the same thing? So I would say let's watch out to see exactly how he defines these words. And he will do it quickly, so watch out. The soul is a microcosm of spirit. What does it mean? I don't know. It is an ever-present light in the human body which guides us from within through our discriminative intelligence and intuitive conscience. Doctor words, just to confuse you. But all too often, our desirable habits and whims refuse to follow that higher instruction. Okay, that one kind of makes sense, right? You got the, the id and the ego, some Freudian logic here, your body, your flesh. Flesh desire is one thing, your soul desires another. That's, that's Pauline. Tempted by lower forces, that which may be commonly known as Satan, humans often choose actions that obliterate the inner light. Again, no context given here. <laughs> lower forces, he means like spiritual beings that are lower than us. So they're evil. They're not necessarily less powerful than us, but they're, they're dumb and evil. Um, and that's what he's calling Satan is dumb and evil. Whereas we know Satan actually to be higher than us and really smart, right? Like the Bible refers to Satan as um, high enough that Michael the archangel didn't dare rebuke him directly, that he said, God rebuke you, right? That's from Peter. Um, that's, that's Satan's higher than us, not lower than us. So already this is wrong fundamentally against the Bible. Just realize that. Um, and it, it like fundamentally directly opposed to the Bible, not secondarily, or it depends on your interpretation in the Bible. Satan is higher than us. He's just not as high as God and we shouldn't worship him. Whereas he's saying he's actually lower than us and as an unintelligent, dumb being um, that tempts us. And these actions are known as sin. And he's saying that we're actually good, like our soul is good, and that it's the inner light inside of us. Whereas we would say our soul is just who we are, and actually we're fallen by nature, so our soul is actually bad. It is inclined to evil with regardless of Satan. Um, so Satan doesn't quench our light. If we have the Holy Spirit, then temptation can try to quench the Holy Spirit, which the Bible talks about, but only if you have the Holy Spirit, which God gives to humanity. You don't have it by default. The word sin originally derives from an ancient archery term, which means to miss the mark. This what is, in the world? <laughs> this is He's not wrong in this, but he's going to take it in his own direction. Hamartia means to miss the, the mark in Greek. Okay. But it's specifically relating to the Old Testament concept of sin, which is transgression against the law of God. Right. And he does this weird definition stuff a lot. You watch for, for any false teachers, they do this definition stuff to try to redefine words. And just like in archery, wherein one can miss the mark by only a tiny bit or by a long shot, so in the same way, sin must be understood as a spectrum within which one may tarnish their body of consciousness. It can be said that there are degrees of sin, as there are lesser and greater evils. I was going to say, this is very good. This is actually in line with scripture that there are different degrees of sin we have talked about i think in the pod if not on a private conversation for sure in podcasts there are different degrees of punishment for sins like yeah. um, calling someone a fool is not the same as stabbing someone in the face are they both transgression against the law of god for sure but there are different degrees of sin yeah and so, there's a lot of christians that are really reluctant to say that because they'll read james um, book of the bible that says that any any breach of the law means you've breached the whole law. Well, yes. Um, which we agree with. So just be, like if you've only lied in your life, that's a minor sin. Um, but that doesn't mean that you get to go to heaven, right? You need, you still need Jesus Christ. So that, mm -hmm. in that way, you have still breached the law. You're still, you've still sinned. Um, yeah. But there are bigger punishments for bigger yeah. sins in life and in the next life, as God even describes, right? That there are lesser, some servants get light beatings and some get heavier beatings in one of his parables. In the world. 
If a child lied to their parents about their grades because they were ashamed, that would be a minor sin in comparison to, say, what Judas did. Now, the creator made all humans as spiritual beings. We are souls endowed with an individualization of the ultimate divine nature. Individualization of the ultimate divine nature, I think what he means there is like the Hindu concept that we're all like part of God, right? That he's, that he's squeezed out a part of himself into to us. Um, but that is not the Christian view. It's not the biblical view. Um, in case you're wondering, uh, the biblical view is that we are in the image of God. Like he made us in a way that he desired us to be, but we aren't actually part of God. Um, we are not God, definitively not God. And evolving from the supreme oneness, the soul was bestowed with the instruments of a body and a mind. Again, that's the soul. We're all, we're all divine oneness, but now we are thinking we're part of our own body and, and mind when we're really a spark of the divine or something. Mm -hmm. With which to perceive and interact with the materially manifested universe. And these mental and physical instruments that we possess are held in existence by specific lawful processes of God's creative power. Again, some real gobbledygook words, but what I'm gathering here is that he's saying that God, um, though he defines God totally differently, um, God has designed the universe to work a certain way, and so, and so it does, right? So when we punch a tree, it hurts, right? And the tree doesn't move and our knuckles hurt. Or when we um, act righteously, it goes well for us, right? That's proverbial. It's true because God rewards good behavior and punishes bad behavior, and, and it's the way he's made the world. That we agree with. If human beings live in perfect harmony with the workings of the cosmic principles. But we do not believe that God is just law. And he'll say in other things that God is like just law. It's like the, God is the governing principles of the universe, um, but he's not personal. Um, which we would say God is a person, three persons, and one God. And yes, he sustains his law. So he's created the order, but the order didn't exist before God. Like mm -hmm. God created the order, right? He created the laws of physics, created time. He created moral law, like he made these things. Mm -hmm. They remain spiritual beings in charge of their bodies and minds. Sin is that which compromises perfect self-mastery. It has its automatic negative effect to the degree of the influence of delusion within the sin. A person's free will actions simply harmonize and strengthen the expressed essence of his soul perfection or weaken and degrade it into enslavement to delusion and Kind of, kind of like Eastern Orthodox. Like we've been talking with Erica Harp a lot, by the way, uh, behind the scenes, Eastern Orthodox guy that follows us, and uh, he was saying that he was saying the similar concept that like you are good intrinsically, um, but sin mars God's image in you until eventually you hate God. Whereas we would say you've fallen. Like the Bible describes people, everyone sins. Everybody's fallen because of the sin of Adam, and now our natures are different, um, and that we have to be restored to Christ to be good. Um, and he's saying you're good until you do enough sin that eventually you're bad. Whereas the Bible discusses you're bad, and then the more bad you do, the even worse you get. So you didn't start good. It's a spectrum of bad. Yes. I mean, immediately what comes to mind from uh, King David, I was sinful from birth. Right. From the moment my mother conceived me, I was uh, straying away from God. Mm -hmm. So that's the, hum the human... The human condition we're going away from god in a way this really reminds me of what i'm just reading of gnosticism again really recommend this nakamari library pretty good i'm really happy with this purchase as you can see and ultimately they're arguing that god he 
in other episodes too, argues that God is impersonal. It's cosmic force in the universe. And we all have that spark of the divine. So, so against the so against scripture, that um, we're not just basically good, we're basically fallen, and we need a personal God who has acted through history to be redeemed. Right. And the question: We're two minutes in, and I know we've paused a lot. <laughs> where is he getting any of this authority? He hasn't talked about where he's getting any of it. He didn't even mention that he was quoting the Bible when he quoted the concepts about Jesus. He's just saying these things as if they're true, but where are they coming from? We, again, are sourcing our knowledge from the Bible or from real life experience or something, but he's not even mentioning that he had visions about this or that he read a guru that said this or the Nakamati Library says this. None of it, right? He's just telling you how it is. Why is it that way? Like, these, aren't, these are not obvious truths. Why, are they, why do you think things are this way? And he, he will never tell you. And suffering. As we explored in our God Explained episode, God is sometimes understood as the laws of creation itself. And here he is and saying that God is a law, um, which is not true. God is personal. Law mm -hmm. that is responsible for the measure and judgment of sin is the law of cause and effect, known often in Eastern spiritual traditions as karma. God has ordained cosmic law to support the process of governing life so that man himself becomes the judge of his own actions. By good action... That one goes over my head because he, he says karma, which we get. We just talked with Hindus. Like, we get, okay, it's, it's just God's justice on earth. Um, he says that God created karma as a law. So God isn't actually enacting karma. Karma is just there out working on its own uh, by authority of God. And But he just then said that it's a means by which man judges himself. But karma is outside of the man. That's like the whole point, right? An evil person does something evil and then karma slaps him in the head, right? The man doesn't slap himself in the head. Unless this is getting back to like the man really is karma because the man really is one with the universe. I don't know. That's odd. Yes. Well, I don't know if it's going to get to this in this episode. At least he has shown that Pelagianism in which we are basically good and you must work out your goodness in you to achieve this enlightened state. Mm -hmm. It's perfect, happy, peaceful state of existence. So... Ultimately, it's what the serpent said in the garden. You know, if you eat this fruit, you will be like God. You will know good and evil yourself. And, and I think often when we hear the Christian message that we're all bad and need a savior, it makes us feel bad or makes other people feel bad. Um, but the message of Christianity isn't just that you have sin. It's that that's why there is a perfect savior. Come to Christ and he will perfectly redeem you. There's no, there's no work anymore required, right? You're a slave to Christ. You do what he says. Um, but... You don't have to earn your way to heaven. You don't have to do a certain amount of push-ups or a certain amount of prayers or a certain amount of almsgiving. Like, you are giving yourself over to Christ, yes, as a slave. But one, you'll inherit everything. You'll inherit the new earth. You'll inherit giant wealth, right? The, the, all the spiritual blessings of Christ. Um, but two, he does all the work for you. Like, he achieves perfection for you. That's the whole point of Christianity. Mm -hmm. Whereas this guy, spirit science, and, and all the other religions pretty much of the earth are about... Uh, working your way to enlightenment so you're going to have to gather knowledge and if you don't gather enough knowledge you won't make it to enlightenment or you'll have to do a certain amount of almsgiving or a certain amount of meditation and if you don't do it enough you won't gather enlightenment right and they're hopeful on that maybe you'll eventually you'll get there but during this life you know the life we actually live you're panicked and and stressed out and and jordan the owner of the channel the guy behind this cartoon um he says that he's been through periods of life where he's super depressed 
super distraught, un unknowing about the meaning of life, extremely emotionally volatile. That is the kind of life you get from these kind of systems. Real peace with God comes from really believing in God, and that is Christianity, not this man-made religion. He compels the law to reward him, yeah, and through evil action. Yeah. <laughs> so the book of Revelation it says that, like, is anyone worthy? And basically, yeah, it says only Jesus is worthy, uh, the lamb who was slain for us. Mm -hmm. um, and like you were saying, they seem to emphasize or worship self-mastery um, instead of worshiping anything else. Right. Um, but then, like you're saying, like, how do you figure out this cosmic law or it seems completely self-centered? Um, like you could meditate on a mountain your whole life and that would be good potentially according to their worldview. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, it is. It's, it's super selfish. It's not giving to others. Um, people talk about giving to others, but like you just said, you could meditate on a mountain and it would be fine in his worldview. Yeah. He invites his own suffering. In scripture, it was written that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, an insight given to propel sinful man away from doing wicked things lest they compel even greater suffering upon themselves and others. For by evil actions, we do reap what we sow. Yet it should be understood that when a person works evil, there is no great bearded man on a cloud somewhere ready to pounce upon him and destroy him. So, direct reputation of Christianity in case you missed it. Rather, there are principles of justice at work in the cosmos, even if that justice is not duly received in the same way that we might imagine. The cosmic laws are perfectly at work at all times, regardless. When we succumb to lesser desires, we keep our consciousness concentrated on and confined in the material world. The darkness or gross portion of cosmic creation then heavily obscures the illuminating divine presence by the shadows of delusion. Mm, Gnosticism. Wow, yeah, again, where is he getting any of this authority from? It's actually from Gnosticism. It's not what he's telling you here, but that's it's from ancient, ancient heresy. Um, that's totally fake. What I think is curious about this system, and it's a lot like karma on a lot of other systems, is that the punishment for sin is only that you don't grow. So, like, I kill a grandma out there, and I suffer. Oh, what was me? I suffer. But what about the grandma? She just died. Like, where's the divine justice there? Whereas the Lord, in his system, right, the victim is uh, recompensed, right? The, the perpetrator of the crime gets punished, and the victim gets recompensed. Now, don't get me wrong, just because a grandma gets murdered doesn't mean that she gets eternal life with Christ unless she was a Christian. Um, but there is um, divine recompense in God's law in that he says he will rescue an oppressed people, but those are the haughty eyes he humbles. Like that's the whole concept of God is that he, he rescues the oppressed and he punishes the wicked. It's not just the punishment of the wicked. And it's not just the rescue and the oppressed. It's both. That's what justice is, right? Divine justice. And when somebody gets stolen from, they have to get paid back, right? It's not just punishment on the thief. It's also paying back the victim. In this situation, uh, this green dude that, that is evil on the screen here, he eats a bunch of cookies, maybe it's somebody else's cookies, and he feels bad about it, right? He gets fat. He's blinded from, from truth. He's not getting enlightened. Um, but what, what happened to the person who made all those cookies that he just stole from? Like, there's no real justice here. It's mm -hmm. only one-way justice. When ignorant souls repeatedly mm. indulge their... Sorry, could I add yeah. a little bit? And uh, it seems strange to me because the 
karmic uh, justice seems a little arbitrary because you could get uh, like karma could get you back in 10 minutes, in 10 years, in 50 years after you die, 50 lives after you've died and reincarnated 50 times or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and still, it's only based on some cosmic principle, they say. So how does this cosmic principle have a mind in order to know how to perfectly get you back or whatever? But then we can easily just go to the Bible and see that God... Um, God determines uh, like when to be merciful or enact justice. Mm-hmm. Um, but and yeah, he offers his reasons and he says he is patient towards us that uh, he might have mercy towards us. Right. Um, right. So uh, basically, again, personal God mm-hmm. versus kind of impersonal, arbitrary cosmic principle. Right. Not only does scripture tell us this, but like you just said, Theodore, we see it in life. And that's why karmic justice systems just don't work because we will see somebody do the exact same evil as somebody else. And one of them will get caught, right? Somebody will get steal something and then get caught and somebody will steal the exact same thing and not get caught. And if karma was a non-intelligent force of nature, as it's described, then it would always act the same way for the same scenario, right? If you steal a cookie you will get caught and go to jail. That's that's the karmic, or you'll lose all your hair, or whatever you know, whatever the proper karmic response is. That's what will happen. Um, but it does not always act the same way, right? Some wicked people get away with being wicked, and some people don't. And so, in karma, um, for whatever you know, for mysterious reasons, will one person get away with being wicked, and pe- and the karmic believer will say that, and the guy's next life, in his next life, he'll suffer, or maybe fifty lives from now, right? He'll suffer, but that would mean that karma has some intelligence to it um, because it's choosing when to dish out different punishments um, than others for the exact same crime, which tells us that it's not a divine force. It is a divine intelligence. It's God. Yeah. ways of living. These patterns become firmly entrenched in the brain as bad habits of mortal behavior and create longstanding suffering within their body of consciousness in this life and the afterlife. During his time with Nicodemus, Whoa. Jesus says, The light has come into the world, but now we're Bible quotes. men loved the darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever practices the truth comes into the light so that it may be clearly seen that what he has done has been accomplished in God. When Jesus says that men loved the darkness because their deeds were evil, He is saying that evil and selfish material habits keep most people away from connectedness with God. Those who make no effort to resist the temptation of evil action, taking instead the easy way of rolling down the hill of bad habits, become accustomed to the darkness of ego consciousness. Because they Ego consciousness, I don't know, some of these terms you're throwing in, I'm like, I wanna combat them because they're not biblical terms. But generally here, we agree with that assessment, right? That Jesus is is in fact saying that um, those who sin love sin as romans 1 also describes this pretty plainly as far as people who sin god gives over more to sin so that they they are more and more blinded and love sin but my hope is that he defines the light as saying oh yeah jesus christ is claiming divinity right here or the apostle john is attributing the creator of the universe is entering the world right the light that jesus is referring to is god is god it's not enlightenment it's not as the Gnostics love to say. Nor is it your internal soul or your true self or whatever. It is Jesus. Jesus is the light, right? The way, the truth, the light. 
shut out the subtle voice of Christ consciousness whispering within them. They Again, Christ consciousness is this concept pretty common in New Age. It's from gurus. That one's not from, I don't think it's from the... No, 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 no. It's from modern, modern gurus. Um, that is to say that Christ isn't a person. It's really a way of living and that Jesus happened to live like Christ should and say, so you should also live like Christ should and that everybody's got a little spark of, I could be like Christ in them and therefore you're able to live like Christ without Christ's help which is totally anti-Christian. Again, Christians and the Bible would tell you that you are unable to live as Christ did. You need Jesus specifically to open your heart, give you a new heart so that you can live well. Um, you don't become Christ then. He, there's only one Christ, um, but you will live like Christ because you're one of his um, brothers. And the Holy Spirit is in you. Without right. God, you cannot please him. So. And the Holy Spirit isn't you, right? So the Holy Spirit's in you, but you aren't God, right? The God is in you, but you aren't God. They shun the infinite abiding joy that comes from following the light within and practicing goodness. Material temptation prom The heart is desperately wicked. Who can Who understand can it? Yes. So even from the Old Testament, God, through his messengers, the prophets, were saying, no, your source of truth and goodness is outside of you. Do not look in, which in Hinduism, according from this uh, nice lady that we talked to, Bhakti, she says, no. In Hinduism, you look inward. It's a very inward-facing religion. Yeah. Same with New Age. You look in within yourself through meditation, practice, to see what is truth, what is goodness. You'll find no goodness in you. Or you'll be deceived and think you find goodness, but it's not actually goodness, right? right? It's either close to goodness or it's just, it's just a little bit off, so you're deceived, but it is not. And so you will fail and you'll end up depressed like Jordan, like the maker of this video. Promises happiness from gratification of a desire but giving in to temptation will bring misery, the annihilation of happiness. For those who follow that dark path, these habits often become so ingrained that the very thought of forsaking their wicked pleasures is rejected outright, laughing at the suggestion that self-control might be beneficial and believing they would be unhappy, even tormented, if denied their indulgence. And so, if it is true that so many people today are ravaged by sinful habits, and indulgences, what can anyone do about it? Well, Jesus is said to have died for our sins, and nearly two billion people believe that he was the perfect sacrifice. Oh, I was getting good. So what does that mean? What does it mean? Christians, I hope you know if you watch the channel, but we'll repeat it again, believe that Jesus specifically died to pay for your specific sins. So not to generally show you how to live, not to generally offer cleanness to you but he, he said you have committed this list of sins i will die for each one of those sins right i die for this thing you stole that one time for this person you murdered with your eyes for this person that you committed lust with right he dies for each one of them because each one of them deserves death and then he stands in your place so that when god judges you you can instead say jesus already paid those things already paid for those things and god can be just punishing sins and letting you live that's why jesus is the perfect sacrifice and Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, as he was called during his lifetime. Mm -hmm. And the book of Hebrews, written probably by Luke, Luke, sorry, and sermon by Paul. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. This is a summary of the Old Testament. In Romans, Paul cites the Old Testament too. Blesses the man to whom God shall not impute sin. Meaning that um, when you sin, you are transgressing against the law of God. And therefore, 
when he's what he's saying there is God is going to provide a way to remove those sins mm -hmm. from you and Jesus Christ is going to take it going to take those upon himself as he describes in his gospel let's see if he Jordan here cites any sources from Christianity to talk about what that sacrifice means what this dying for sins means yeah. and by the way not a not a hidden Christian uh, teaching there we don't really hide anything but this isn't some higher concept this is straight the original if you're a Christian this is what you know from Sunday school so people aren't confused by it sacrifice is a concept which relates to each of us very deeply even if we don't realize it because sacrifice is the act of giving up something in the present moment in order to guarantee something better in the future a common example could be sacrificing one's time working today for a paycheck tomorrow when one fasts they sacrifice food in order for the body to essentially eat itself, starting with the old and gunked up cells first and residual fat in the body, which actually brings greater health and longevity. It's not medically accurate, but whatever. For those who get married, the potential of being with a multitude of partners is sacrificed in order to guarantee one strong and deep relationship with another for the rest of their lives. This is why in Christianity, marriage is known as a sacrament, where sacrifice, sacrament, and sacred all share the same root, a word which ultimately means make holy and therein make whole. We all make some kind of sacrament. They may all come for the same root, but know that marriage is not called a sacrament because it is a sacrifice. It's, it's called a sacrament because it's a holy thing. Um, I wouldn't even consider it a sacrament for the record, but whatever. Sacrifice each and every day, some greater Just or some lesser. And, and it is through it's okay, yeah. and I'm just kidding. <laughs> Whatever, that's a topic for a totally different day. I, I am married. I believe in the sanctity of marriage, but is it a sacrament? Um, depends on how you define that. The degree of our sacrifices that leads us to greater or lesser lives. Generally, the hardest sacrifices are the ones wherein we find the most attachment. According to the biblical tradition, though we had fallen into a dark and sinful path, God did not give up on us and created sacrifice as a means by which we might be restored to purity and perfection. Throughout the books of Moses, a great deal of instruction is given as to the different types of sacrifices called for, each of which designed to help humanity atone for their hardened hearts and minds. In all of them, when there were animals that needed to be sacrificed, it was always done with a perfect or unblemished creature. As it is written, do not sacrifice to the Lord your God an ox or a sheep that has any defect or flaw in it for that would be detestable to him. This is because True fact. the sacrifice of an unblemished animal represents an offering of wholeness, and that which is incomplete or flawed cannot become a sufficient or equal match for that which is whole and complete. But this might also be understood in another way. When giving up anything meaningful, one does not bestow that which might already be unwanted. Otherwise, it would also not be a suitable sacrifice. When we give up something dear to us, something that is functional and has a clear purpose, the gravity of that act is much greater. Imagine, if a shepherd has to put something to death, like the best of their livestock, they're going to take that offering far more seriously than if they were to sacrifice something they saw as weak and useless. It is only with this context that we now can conceptualize what it might mean that Jesus was the perfect sacrifice. Uh I want to affirm some things. One, yes, we totally agree that, that first of all, it's a direct quote from Deuteronomy, you shouldn't sacrifice bad animals. Um, one, because it's 
showing non-deference to the Lord, which is what he's talking about here. It doesn't mean a lot to you. But two, and this is what he's missing, this is what he's purposely glazing over and what it's talked about profusely. So it's not just me saying this. This is talked about a ton in the New Testament that the sacrifices of the Old Testament were shadows of the things to come. So a lot of the like death, but not a lot of them, but several of the death penalty things or that you got to get exiled if you don't do these things, um, laws from God in the Old Testament that we no longer practice are because they were shadows of what was coming. And so if they were changed, they wouldn't correctly shadow the thing that was coming in the future. Um, so in this case, unblemished lambs, um, while it was important that it was a serious sacrifice, it was also supposed to be a shadow of the unsinful man, Jesus Christ, being sacrificed for our sins. And that's why God would not allow blemished lambs to be sacrificed. So while it's, I guess, a bonus thing that it's hard for people to sacrifice and blemished lambs, it was really supposed to be a shadow of Jesus coming. And so it needed to be a, a long-lasting, perfect symbol for Jesus coming. Mm -hmm. And so it's the whole meaning of the sacrifice was not that it was a meaningful animal to give up. The whole meaning was that Jesus was coming in the future and therefore, you needed to be sacrificing unblemished lambs to to mirror what Jesus would do in the future. This isn't just Michael saying this. The argument of the whole book of Hebrews, I wish we're actually really Hebrews heavy today. Uh, great book. Focuses on how the what what's that? What was the tent called? I'm forgetting the, the tabernacle. The tabernacle, yeah, tabernacle, the temple, the 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 lamps inside, the ark of the covenant. He argues they were all pointing the sacrifices, the blood. They were all pointing to something greater that would be coming in the future. Yeah. And that ultimately the sacrifices of lambs and other things like that weren't forgiving sins. Um, that they, they couldn't forgive sins because they were it was a lamb for a man. They're not equivalent sacrifices. Or Jesus needed to die. And the unblemished lamb, as well as why his sacrifice is believed to have been necessary. He is called the unblemished lamb because he was a human being perfectly integrated with God. The supreme spirit and the I don't know. you know christians are pretty sensitive for how we describe jesus being god and i don't think any of us would say he was perfectly integrated i don't even know what that means yeah that's now that's saying a lot of what just read from the sophia of christ from the nakamari library again great book highly recommend uh <laughs> yeah sorry i can't, I can't resist i'm just gonna recommend it every episode apparently it's full of lies you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's why it's spicy anyway um they talk about jesus being in sync, I mean, this is my words, paraphrasing, in sync with the creator, but it doesn't mean the same thing as him, oh, I am God in human form, yeah. as he claims himself to the high priest, in the visions of Daniel, prophet Isaiah, yeah. Paul, Peter. He's not God adjacent, he's not God parallel, he's not in perfect sync with God, he is God. So by nature of being God, he is in perfect sync with God, and he talks about being yeah. one with the Father and things like that, but like, it, it doesn't mean he isn't God, like he's like a perfect servant or something like that. He, he is God. Very subtle, very subtle. But the Gnostics may played the same trick before. It's like, oh yeah, he's not really God. He's in perfect sync with God, but he's not really God. Yeah. Thus reflecting the fullness of the love, truth, wisdom, and light of the Godhead. He is also considered the final sacrifice because after the death of Christ, it was believed that animal sacrifice- Oh, it was believed stuff. It's telling you that he doesn't believe that, right? He's saying that other fools believe that, but <laughs> I don't. It was no longer necessary. And this was because the death and resurrection of Jesus had created a pathway of transcendence within the human consciousness. Whoa, 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 whoa. You skipped a lot of things there. You skipped a lot of things there. Uh, the, the death and resurrection of Jesus was just, uh, his death was the payment for sin. His resurrection was A, proof that 
God, but B, a symbol for that we would also be resurrected in the same type of heavenly bodies. And then C, he ascended to the throne to take his rightful place at the, second, the right hand of God like he was before he incarnated. So a lot was on the resurrection there. It was not to clear a way to transcendence or whatever the heck that means. Um, it The death paid for our sins so that we could be with God and it allows him to dwell in us, the Holy Spirit. So in that way, I guess we're transcending but not like psychically transcending or whatever. It just means that God lives in us so that we can be good now. Instead of being slaves to sin, we can be slaves to God. And when we die, he will raise us again into perfect bodies. Not transcendence in an astral plane or all unifying into one big psychic energy thing that he's talking about here. And the big question I have is, if he's just showing us the path to God, why did he have to die and resurrect? What What is the objective in this new age worldview that his death and resurrection? Yeah, and like how did it open a way to transcendence? Yeah, exactly. Why Why did he have to die and resurrect for it to open a way to transcendence? It, obviously, it works in the Christian worldview, but why in the new age worldview? And changed our hearts forever. The act of non-resistance towards his own death demonstrated to humanity a depth of compassion that we had never seen before. And his... Ooh, sounds like very liberal Christianity. Plenty of people died without... Um, resistance. For example, Radshak, Meshach, and Abednego, famous story where they get thrown into the fire because they won't bow to the statue of Nebuchadnezzar. They don't resist um, being thrown into the fire. Were they Were they Jesus? Would they have been a Jesus if they had died? No. They were loyal servants of God, but they wouldn't have paid for the sins of the world just because they died um, without resisting. Same with them. Many other people die without resisting the world, and it doesn't make them Jesus. He may be getting this from progressive Christianity because they argue the same thing, that his yeah. death just symbolized, you know, the submission, be willing to accept fate and goodness and release of mortality. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, the death of Jesus was unjust, right? People were killing him unjustly. He did not deserve death, and they killed him anyways, right? So you should resist injustice. And I think spirit science and a lot of others would say, a lot of woke people would say you should resist injustice. So that Jesus is not resisting injustice. So shouldn't that be evil? Um, but again, Jesus had a greater purpose, which was to pay for the sins of the world via his death. So he was putting up with the injustice for now so that he could die and pay for the sins of the world. So it wasn't really about him not resisting. The, the not resisting was just that he, was, he had a bigger plan in mind. His resurrection showed that with God, anything is possible. Okay, but plenty of other people were resurrected too. By the way, it's not a unique thing of Jesus. The unique thing of Jesus is that he was God incarnate and that he was perfect. And when he died, he paid for the sins of the world. That's what's unique. Not the death, not the resurrection, but the whole package. But there's one major stick in this whole thing that must be addressed. What? Despite everything that we've discussed, humanity today is still very sinful. Uh-oh. In fact, considering that we entered into the dark ages, only a few hundred years after the death of Christ, an era of unenlightened thinking for most of Christendom. Oh, I take great offense. <laughs> we all take great offense to that, in case you're not familiar with. The Dark Ages are a derogatory term created by Middle Ages people who wanted to denigrate people who were better than them. We would say the Dark Ages are one of the greatest periods for Europe and made Europe what it is today, although it's sliding back into Dark Ages these days. But like, the reason Europe became the best continent on Earth, um, which... I, Plenty of people dispute that. I'm not saying they will be forever. It's not a race thing. It's just they have been. They conquered the world. Um, was because of the so-called Dark Ages. The Dark Ages were more just than the Roman Empire, more wealthy for people, more equal rights for women in the Dark Ages, right? Decentralization, better governance then, um, more innovation. We're all in the Dark Ages. So, yeah, they just didn't have centralized governments, which people usually love. Someone should tell him about the Carolingian Renaissance. Right. 
art, literature, manuscripts, uh, good law. I would say that really transformed mm-hmm. Europe because in the Roman, you wouldn't, if I had to choose between medieval Europe and the Roman Empire to live in, pagan Roman Empire, Christian medieval Europe, I would pick Christian medieval Europe. Yeah, I mean, the Dark Ages, slavery in Europe was pretty much abolished, right? It was only in the Renaissance, um, so-called Enlightenment, that slavery was retaken up, right, by by wealth-seeking adventurers. So, uh, uh, yeah, anyways, we take offense to the Dark Ages. We didn't tell. For about a thousand years, Some might argue that humanity got worse after Jesus died, not better. Today, selfishness, greed, and pollution of thought and cruelty still run rampant in varying degrees across the world. And this is something we should all come to terms with. In regards to Jesus dying for our sins, it would be foolish for us to presume that anyone, even Jesus, could take away sin unless the sinner himself cooperates in the removal process. Wow, very Arminian. Huh? Yeah. Uh, why would it be foolish? Like, uh, of course, if God's God, he can take away your sin, whether you like it or not. Um, we only believe he, he he doesn't do it to everyone, right? He only takes away sin from his elects, but the elect like it, right? Um, but they didn't actually have to cooperate. He took it from them, and then they went, wow, I love you, Jesus, right? Um, they they didn't give it to him like that. Yeah. Though some would disagree with us, you know. I mean, they're... So we're not the only uh, Christians out there. If Jesus had taken away everyone's sins by dying and resurrecting, wouldn't the world be in a state of perfect paradise today? It, great yeah. point. This is yeah. a great point, actually, because, and this is actually what brought me to Calvinism, um, which I don't think spirit science has ever even heard the word, but uh, uh, if Christ died for all sins and there's still sin today, you know, what happened, right? Did he fail? And we would say he only died for the sins of his people. That's why... Plenty of sin out there still, and plenty of people that don't love Christ because he didn't die for them. That's that's pretty offensive, um, maybe rightfully so, because people go, "You didn't die for me, me? I hate Christ." <laughs> I go, "Yeah, because he didn't die for you." Um, so of course you hate Christ. Um, like you still are in your sin. That that this all makes sense. Um, but yeah, and that's that's how we get around your question. Ever good question though, spirit science. Now you're thinking with your noggin. Key point, though, no one deserves to be died for by Jesus Christ. Right. His sacrifice is fully of himself a free gift, hence why it's called grace. No one, like, it's not that Christians are any better. So it, in fact, Jesus says you know, through Paul that God has chosen the foolish things of this world mm-hmm. to reveal his glory. So Christians, well, like everyone else, I guess, are a bunch of clowns that God died for and redeemed and is working their lives through, through the Holy Spirit to be more Christ-like. Yeah. But so, no one deserves the sacrifice of Jesus. He didn't need to die for a single person, but God, a personal God, chose to die for specific sins of specific individuals, which are millions. In the, in the book of Revelation, talks about this innumerable as the sands of, of the sea. I'm making my quotes mixed yes, up. That's Abraham's promise, but yeah. Okay, same. I'm getting mixed up. But yes, it will be innumerable. Yes, yeah. in the book of Revelation, the saints are innumerable. So mm-hmm. millions upon millions and millions of people. And likewise, if believing in Jesus were all that were required, then all Christians for all time would be perfected beings. But again, we would differentiate Hold those who believe in Jesus and people who actually believe they've been transformed by Jesus, right? So, and the Bible talks about these people. It's not like the Bible's unaware of people who say they believe in Jesus, but don't actually. Um, specifically talks that Jesus talks about people who will come to him and say, Lord, Lord, you do all these things in your name. And he would go, I never knew you. And they get sent to hell. So um, yes, there are many so-called Christians, but there's only a select 
section of those Christians who are actually transformed by the Holy Spirit. And even then, God also has says that has said that not everything will be fulfilled until the end of the age, meaning that Christians who have been uni- united with Christ, they're still going to f- sin, do offensive things to God, and fail, even like the Apostle Paul said himself, like he still sinned despite being an apostle, a messenger of God. He yeah. still saw his own sin. So he will not be perfected until the return of Jesus Christ. Yeah. So these are, I mean, so th- I guess this is the meat, this is the climax of his video is that Jesus can't be the all in all because we still have, the world isn't perfect yet. Um, and therefore Christianity is false. Follow me. Jesus is just like a side chick. Um, and we would say you misunderstand what Christ has come to do. And that's, so your objections are, are bad objections that Jesus can be the main God um, and still all his promises for taking away the sin of the world be true and the world still be sinful now. They're, they're both compatible. In fact, predictably in the book. We must understand that Jesus... Oh. Can I add one thing? Yeah. Um, uh, let's see. Yeah, so he seems to be assuming that um, just belief in God would immediately perfect a Christian. Um, but we believe that we are immediately justified mm-hmm. upon belief. Um, but then, yeah, being made perfect through sanctification throughout the rest of our lives. Um, and then I was reading Acts 19 this week, and one thing stuck out to me, which seems applicable here. Uh, Acts 19, 13 to 19 says, But also some of the Jewish exorcists saw the success that Jesus' disciples had in casting out demons and attempted to use the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, I adjure you uh, by the by Jesus, whom Paul preaches. Seven sons of a Jewish chief priest were doing this. And, an ev- and the evil spirit answered and said to them, I recognize Jesus, and I know about Paul, but who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit lived uh, leaped on them and subdued all of them and overpowered them so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. This became known to all uh, both Jews and Greeks who lived in Ephesus and feared uh, and fear fell upon them all in the name of the Lord Jesus was being magnified. Many also uh, of those who had believed kept coming, confessing and disclosing their practices. And many of those who practiced magic brought their books together and began burning them in the sight of everyone. And they counted up the price of them and found it uh, to be 50,000 pieces of silver. So in that you see like this self-mastery thing or just using the name of Jesus for your own sake, that's going to get a demon to beat you up, basically. Yep. Um, and then you see the the result of true belief of people who are being perfected. Um, they brought their books together, even though this is like many years of wages uh, worth of these books, but they burned them because all they contain is uh, evil and lies, sorcery and such. Right. Which is twofold. Uh, one, you're slapping down this whole like Christ is my side chick thing because Christ is your side chick. Like you said, some demon possessed man is going to beat you up. But two, uh, they, the, correct, the correct response to Jesus being your Lord is burning your magic books, right? That's what they did. So this Spirit Science channel, which is all about reading magic books, right? Every single source of knowledge you can get is a valid source of knowledge and you should enjoy it, um, is directly, again, opposed to 
uh, Christ and Christianity. So he's, he's pretending he's following Christ while totally rejecting Christ, which is uh, evil. So although he's this cute little cartoon guy, he's a little patch in his head, and he's got this cute little uh, androgynous voice, he is a uh, false teacher. Becomes an instrument of transformation for people who seek him or redemption in some way or are touched by his spirit. But if someone is closed off from receiving him, they will not receive his blessing. And if someone believes in him half-heartedly or doesn't explore to the greatest of depth. <laughs> you mean you? He's saying never read your words either. Like you, you haven't read the words of Christ, man. He's not even taking them seriously. The words and teachings that he brought forth, they also will only carry with them a superficial understanding of Christ consciousness. I can help a bit, says Jesus. Gosh. At, at what a terrible understanding of Christianity that Christ is just like helping you be a better person. No, he's saving you from, from death, right, to life. Like, what an impotent, sad man is he if he's just a regular old man who like did normal stuff and wants you to follow his example. You know, Paul did that. Moses did that. I do that for crying out loud. Like I, I, you know, I do things that people should emulate, plenty of things that people shouldn't emulate, but like I do things that, that are admirable, right? But I'm not Christ. Christ is perfect. And he's God, and he actually powerfully saves you from sin. Um, this is this is a straw man Christianity. Now, not to say that some Christians don't think this, but they are they're mistaken as well. But in truth, Jesus's sacrifice was primarily to exemplify for all time the power of spiritual force over ignorance and brute force. You've heard it here first, folks. If you are a Christ Victor theory um, Christian, you agree with spirit science. I can't think of a worse witness for you guys, huh? All right. Yeah, the, <laughs> you want to text? Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. You wanna... Okay. So I just wanted to uh, pound down on this one um, because she says, in truth, obviously not, a Jesus sacrifice was primarily to exemplify for all time the spiritual force over ignorance and brute force or whatever. Um, no. Um, yeah. If she would have said Jesus' life was to exemplify for all time his love, power, and perfection, I could agree with that. But his sacrifice was primarily to make atonement, to uh, take on our sins, to substitute for us in, a, in the punishment of death. His sacrifice maintains God's justice. Uh, Jesus' uh, sacrifice is the, in a sense, justifies God's mercy given to those who are in Christ Jesus. And just Four quick things. Exodus 12 speaks of the angel of death passing over the uh, houses mm -hmm. that have uh, where the animal was sacrificed and the blood was on the doorposts. Therefore, sacrifice was needed to protect them from death. Um, Isaiah 53, Jesus bore our griefs and carried our so sorrows. Uh, we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. Crushed for our iniquities, upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. By his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray, but the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Romans 3.25 Jesus uh, was displayed publicly as the propitiation, satisfaction of God's law uh, for our sin. And then 1 Peter 2.24 um, echoes one of the verses you already said. Um, Jesus bore our sins, and by his wounds we are healed. Oh, I guess that, yeah, that's Isaiah 53. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Sebastian. Yeah, I wanted to say about Jesus, like, when his, in his video, he was saying, oh, maybe I can help you a little bit. I immediately thought of John 10, 
I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He, he who is a hard hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hard hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. Also, he talks about later too. No one can snatch them out of his hand. So it's not, again, it's not that you have to like willingly accept Jesus and then he saves you. No, he saves you and it's like, oh, praise God that you saved me. Right. I, I love you, Jesus. Yeah, so but I'm, a, I'm already thinking, right? It, just because I keep talking with him. Eric Alhar, <laughs> he's an Orthodox guy. Anybody who's talking to us about um, that, that we're Gnostics, right? I'm going to send him this actual Gnostic and be like, this sounds a lot like your salvation method. He showed that the power of love could conquer the Roman Empire, which with all of its might could not suppress his philosophy. His reign has outlasted that of all warrior conquerors based on the divine edict, love your enemies. Further, in all spiritual disciplines across the world, masters can take upon themselves some of the burden of a disciple if that devotee makes a worthwhile spiritual effort to improve himself. This little effort-based thing, you gotta do work hard enough, then we will help you. God says, I am God and I will do the thing for you. And of course you're, you're, you're called to work, but it's not the work that earns you um, God's power, right? God's power gives you the ability to do work. But most of all, well, spiritual of masters. And I'm oh, sorry, <laughs> I think I'm delayed. <laughs> And again, what kind of work and who says this is the kind of work and who determines this cosmic law and how can you actually figure it out? Uh, in truth, it it's just seems a whole, whole lot arbit arbitrary. Oh, yes. I think that that word summarizes a lot of spirit science's teaching is arbitrary. We got Jesus and Toth, the Egyptian god of wisdom, hanging out, by the way, on, on Earth. Just seeing some of these uh, visuals are interesting. Serve in the highest way by example and provide teachings that inspire the errant children of God to free themselves from their bad habits and spiritual negligence. We're not all children of God, by the way, only those who are adopted by God. That's why it's, we're called adopted children of God. Um, just another false belief that he's just thrown in there. He's also got Fibonacci spirals in the background. I don't know. There's a lot of weird stuff in here. Oh, sacred geometry. I see that. Yeah, sacred geometry. Yes. First John, we've been adopted into sonship, and it's not like you can go in and out of the adoption no one snatches you out of the hands of Jesus. So right. once you're a child of God, son or daughter, you belong to him forever. Predestined before the foundation of the earth. So, well, there's the foundation of the earth right there. Yep. Because of this, we each have to come to terms with the fact that our own effort plays a big part in the results of our purification process. Man, they, we got to send this to all the Catholics out there, all these Orthodox out there, all the, all the works-based religions that, look, man, you're talking like a new ager. As a savior, Jesus brings salvation in two dimensions, personally and universally. Oh my gosh. This is like <laughs> straight up Catholic theology. I mean, some of it's like, yeah, I mean, he's going to get some things. He's talking about Jesus and I also talk about Jesus. Does that mean that I'm a new ager? No, but he's distinguishing himself from Christianity by saying that this is how Christ works. So he thinks he's just distinguishing himself from Christianity by saying these things. So if you believe these things and also think you're a Christian, maybe you're not. 
Personally, he bestows qualitative. I just wanted to or point out uh, that they never say like how much you need to work or do or read or meditate. Mm -hmm. They just say you have to do 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 um, because uh, they want to keep you entra uh, entrapped right. in that. And obviously, with Hinduism as well, they say their scriptures are infinite, endless. And you'll never get through them in your whole life, but you should still read them your whole life and meditate on them and uh, increase your knowledge based on those books. Um, but Christianity is so transparent, it tells you exactly what you need to do. Yep. And in a sense, it's not that much, but then also in a sense, it's everything. Right. But it's, yeah. <laughs> I'll make that clear. Yeah. And... So it's not a low bar. And I think a lot of people who hear the gospel and that it doesn't require an endless series of works think, oh, that's a cheap grace, right? That you just get your ticket punched by Jesus Christ's death and then you don't have to do anything. That's what Catholics accuse Protestants of all the time, saying that you believe you can just sin all the time. They'll quote Martin Luther and say, like, you think you can fornicate 100, days, 100 times a day and then still get to heaven. And we would say it's not about the cheapness of the grace that we can continue to sin. Because like you said, Theodore, actually believing in Christ means making yourself a slave to Christ. So it actually costs you everything, but it is a finite, simple thing to do. It's submitting yourself to be Christ's slave and it, it, accepting him as your Lord and Savior. So it is a, it's a finite, simple thing. It doesn't require a ton of work to be saved, but it costs you your whole life. You gain the whole world, but, but it costs you your whole life. So we don't think it's cheap. It requires your whole life where you die to self, but it is simple. Yep. Paul says... We were purchased for a price. Consider yourself slaves to Jesus Christ. You were slaves to sin. Now you're slaves to Christ. Echoing what you guys are saying. Mm -hmm. Or liberating blessings and grace on his contemporary disciples and on those of all succeeding generations who look to him for salvation. But he also came to fulfill a universal understanding of the qualitative good, establishing a moral and spiritual standard for all mankind which the people in the Dark Ages were submitting themselves to for the record. I mean, for the record. As he says, the Dark Ages were horrible. Oh, yes. But they were submitting themselves to the principles of Jesus Christ. I will also say this is not the way that like Roman Catholics or Eastern Orthodox understand his universal redemption. So the, here's a little divergence of the <laughs> theologies here. By calling sinners to repentance, he mixed with those people most in need of healing from sin to demonstrate, by way of example, his quantitative ministry to the masses to show the transforming power of righteousness that brings response from the forgiving heart of God. Now, with all of that said, one major question that sometimes arises in this dialogue is, just one. what about people who are good people but have never heard of Jesus or follow some other teacher? Will they be condemned because... What a great question. I think Jesus answers that. Pretty clearly, I wonder if he's going to quote Jesus, you know, because he answers it. it and he says, unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Yep. A hard truth for some. But uh, the thing is, there are no good people who have never heard of Jesus. That's that's actually a hard truth is that people who have never heard of Jesus are not good people. They deserve hell. That's that's the truth. And him? We're 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 it's great by God's grace. I'd say we're fortunate, but it's not fortunate at all. It's God. Um to have heard of Jesus at all, because he is the only lifeline. It should be known that spiritually virtuous people act properly and ideally in the various situations in life, in harmony with the laws of righteousness. They move along the path towards redemption through their right actions, 
performed at the inner prompting of conscience, mm, rewarded by a silent yeah. satisfaction from their soul. Righteous people need- They either do good works or they just feel happy. There's the whole like inward focus. Little or no corrective discipline because their innate spiritual sense keeps them on the right path and prevents them from wandering into the temptation of ignorance. They don't need discipline because they're perfect, man. I guess I shouldn't be shocked by his theology, but that's, that's some bad theology. It's some wrong theology. This is even why Jesus said that he came for the sinners specifically. Further, <laughs> as if they were righteous. Oh man, that's a way to read that when he says that I didn't come for the righteous, but for sinners. Uh, Jesus is saying there is that you won't be saved by him unless you're a sinner, right? I, you're all sinners. So if you think yourself righteous, you're not going to be saved by him and you're not righteous. Um, but what spirit science is suggesting there is that if Jesus came for the sinners, there are righteous people out there that he didn't come to save because they'll be saved in a different way, which is not what Jesus is saying there. But well, let's see where you're going. If a sinner of their own accord comes to repentance, even without hearing or knowing about Jesus, it's the same spirit that will help deliver them to a higher understanding and a better life. But they, they cannot repent fully without Christ. At the end of the day, didn't he say, no one comes to the, to the Father except through me? Right. So how can you repent and well, turn to God? He's claiming that, that you come through Christ's spirit, like the Christ consciousness. Oh, this generic, it's, okay. It's generic, yes, yeah, generic. But you need to come through actual Christ, not through um, fake inner Christ. What it's really about is understanding who and what he embodied the Spirit of God. That Spirit is omnipresent and found in all things, even if obscured by the darkness of illusion. And within each of us, were we to go within and to not stop up? seeking through the chaos... So, uh, you just mentioned that, uh, or he, that God is found in each one of us, even if it's obscured by uh, darkness of illusion. Um, but, I'd just like to say, we are made in the image of God, sure. But then we sinned um, and cursed ourselves unto death. Jesus redeemed us from the curse by taking the curse upon himself through being hung on the cross, a tree, uh, and that's Galatians 3.13. Yeah, sorry, I'm getting, I'm getting numb to, his, uh, to the lies. Chaos of illusions within our own minds and hearts, we would find ourselves connected and one with the same spirit which moved through Jesus so fully. And that spirit can do absolutely anything. I mentioned uh, some uh, truths about Jesus. <laughs> Should yes. I do that now? Or... Okay. So just to get back on uh, what a more biblical perspective of Jesus is, um, in Luke 1, 35, we see G uh, Jesus is the son of God. In Mark 2, 10, we see Jesus is the son of man. And there are plenty of other verses that also say the same things but john 1 29 jesus is the lamb of god um john 1 1 1 to 3 jesus is the word of god and is god and was with god in the beginning um revelation 17 and 19 jesus is the king of kings and he's the only one worthy of worship um and jesus received worship um and accepted that from well, the wise men when he was a baby, um, from his disciples, uh, Matthew 14, and from angels and elders in heaven, that's Revelation 5, 8 to 14. So yeah, uh, we are not Jesus. 
<laughs> yeah. And Jesus demands worship. He's the king of kings. Like one spirit science has taken things about Jesus and disregarded other things about Jesus, all from supposedly the same source, right? He picks and chooses what he likes from the Bible and what he doesn't. He likes from the Bible that Jesus said to Nicodemus that those who are in darkness hate the light. Um, but he doesn't like that Jesus is coming again on the clouds of heaven to judge the wicked, right? Doesn't like that at all. In fact, he expressly spoke against it. He expressly spoke, uh, speaks against Jesus talking about no one is able to come to him except unless the Father draws him or any of these things. Like he, he ignores Jesus's words. And then he has the gall, the audacity to say, or maybe it's just, it's truth coming out because um, it can't stay contained. Um, that those who partially follow Jesus or don't really read his words won't be saved. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> careful what kind of stones you're throwing, my friend. Um, yes, and and ultimately, I guess the conclusion of his whole video here with, with weird New Age nonsense thrown in was that Jesus died as an example for what we should live like and we should be ready to die by being nice, which is... Um, super lame, but it's also super not unique. Like that's that's what progressive Christians have been saying for um, years is that Jesus didn't really accomplish anything. He's just kind of a chill dude, um, which uh, is dumb and evil and uh, blasphemy. So just in case you're wondering if spirit science was blasphemous, they are. Yeah. I mean, Jesus said himself, and now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed yep so i'll have to say uh other spirit science videos way funner to react to because they're crazy you know they got the time traveling hebrews and and the egyptian gods flying in the, the destruction Martians of atlantis and atlantis um by the way his his cartoon character patch or whatever that he's that he's doing has like a backstory and is actually an atlantean um in case you're curious in a spirit science lore there and why he has got like a patch over his heart and head there's there's a whole story to it um but this this is the kind of insidious lies like the atlantean stuff is just weird and like i guess it's roping in people who don't know any better at all um, but this kind of thing is trying to rope in christians clearly right, with christ right and that's why it's not as fun to react to because it's not as funny it's a pretty classic lie but we need to address this kind of lie because it's woven artistically he's uh, with literal art but also with art of words and it's an old old lie like sebastian keeps holding up his really old book i get to show it again it's an old old lie gnosticism is an old old lie and gnosticism is thrown around a lot like people say you're a gnostic and he's a gnostic and that person's gnostic but like this is actually gnosticism it's like like legitimately a straight line of um teachings and he's pulling from real gnostics so this isn't just we're claiming he's gnostic he's pulling from gnostic sources this is a really old lie um, that's died out before it will die out again so don't be caught in it it's a snare and not to mention uh, regarding oh sorry uh, all the other teachings the spirit science has he's got you know because he has every new age belief in the book some of them are extremely dangerous like astral projection and others and doing ayahuasca like those things will mess you up viciously not just like end up sending you to hell which is awful but i mean like they will mess you up in this life like you'll be mentally deranged he has talked about his own mental derangements from ayahuasca trips and things like that where he thought emma watson was god um no a wisdom of christ no, a wisdom of christ <laughs> an embodiment of god and then again he has to retract that so like his own channel his own living is a witness to the fact that this does not work and that he is a dangerous teacher and go ahead theater Oh, I don't know if I, I remember what I was originally going to say, but um, something else came to mind. Like, it's easier for a camel to 
enter through the eye of a needle than for a rich man or a perhaps popular and wealthy YouTuber uh, to make it to the kingdom of heaven. Um, but uh, regarding just, again, uh, like lies and authority, you go back to the Garden of Eden. Satan said, did God really say? And of course, Adam and Eve knew what God said. They just wanted to do some self-mastery or yeah. figure out some things for themselves. Um, but yeah, again, we have what God said, and we have plenty of caution, plenty of what not to do, plenty of what to do, and what God is like in the Bible. Which is a real authority source. Which is so our it's authority. not from our dreams it's not from consulting other people who also had dreams it's not from consulting known false sources it's from consulting a known true source as much as atheists wail and thrash their hands saying that it's a fake source it's super attested as far as the copies of it that we have that are close to the actual event source they corroborate well like you'd hope that eyewitness testimony would and scripture is cohesive mm -hmm. as a whole um, i'm not just claiming these things you can go read it it's obviously publicly available online everywhere i biased because i've read it a lot to thinking that you know what is in the bible but i highly recommend reading it yourself if you haven't um yeah so we have a higher claim to authority because our source is better it's actually god and he's actually cohesive instead of liars that contradict each other all the time that's imp very important because you can know a false teacher in that way in how inconsistent they are mm -hmm. if you take for example this channel it's been all over the place from Atlantis to chakras and crystals to being wrong, about Emma Watson being an embodiment of the wisdom of Christ, whatever that means, hasn't defined it yet, to the best of my knowledge. <laughs> it's just really funny. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm glad he came with the correction because it shows some humility, but that's just a really funny mistake. Yes. It's just very specific, Emma Watson. It's anyway. Very, yeah, that's why it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> to somewhat like the Prophet Muhammad, who started with a different message than what he ended up later in his life, and he died a tragic death. I mean, poisoned by his own foolishness and mm -hmm. viciousness with the Bible. It is the same consistent message from beginning to end. It is not just a random assortment of books. It's like someone thought it'd be cool to get together like King Josiah. It is a consistent message from beginning to end. The same God who created the universe in Genesis to the same God, Jesus Christ, who is going to come and redeem everything in Revelation in the end, the end yep. of the age. So consistent mercy justice and glory to god displayed in constantly throughout the bible that is why it also ju further justifies how it is a source of truth because it is consistent unlike quran new age gnosticism buddhism hinduism etc right and that's why we have found our cause in serving the lord jesus christ thank you for listening i've been michael the mayhem behind the machine and to my right has been sebastian the bookkeeper and over the airwaves it's been or under the PC. Uh, if you want to see the rest of our episodes, you're going to have to find us on iTunes or Spotify. Podbean.com has been slamming right now. We're like, ever since we started doing short term video, we get like 100 views a day on Podbean. So clearly people are downloading us on Spotify or Podbean or somewhere. Um, so you can go us there. But that's all audio. You won't get to see our beautiful faces or the picture of Thoth, the Egyptian god, next to Jesus, or like cuddly teddy bear Jesus with uh, the spirit science logo on his chest. So if you want to see all that, you're going to have to go to YouTube or Facebook where we have our videos. So until next time, we talk about something completely different, I guarantee it. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.